Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Dale Gray, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hi, Dale. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. We decided to have you back in. We had a, a rather interesting episode about Silicon Valley versus Silicon Prairie. It didn't quite end in the winner-take-all death match that we were hoping for, but <laughs> I, uh, being here in the Midwest, I like to think that the prairie beat the valley. I think so. Yeah. I, so agree. whether you're in Silicon Valley or whether you're in the Silicon Prairie or whether you're in one of the 172 countries that have now listened to the startup hustle and thank you very much, whoever all of you are, there is one universal thing that all successful founders and companies are going to have to figure out how to do. It's difficult because we like to have control of things and sometimes believe that we're the only ones that can operate on this massively elite level, but it's about empowering others and, and having them help having yourself trust them to make your dreams come true. Absolutely. I mean, where, wow, is that, that was maybe tough to <laughs> wow, follow. I know, I know, is. but it's so true, man. It's so true. And all right. So for those of you, if you didn't catch Dale's other episode and, you know, Dale's the CEO of First Call Technology here in Kansas City. He's worked at Children's Stanford Hospital or Stanford Children's Hospital. I think that's the correct order to say that. And you were also the director of analytics for Cerner at one point after a 12 year history there. Yes. You have a computer science degree. You are the former founder of Catapult International. One of four founders. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And sorry. Sorry, <laughs> other guys. And where are they right now? Yeah. Like, Matt and Brian right here in Kansas City. Yeah, David as well. But they're not here, man. So, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, you, you're also a, a computer science guy. And you know a little bit about this, having been around a lot of different stuff, a lot of different environments. Um what do you think the key is to, you know, well, let's start We right before we uh, hit record, we were talking about that. You know what? You actually gave me an interesting stat about founders and their background with STEM. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're talking about uh, startup companies, um, actually 65% of the founders do not have a STEM degree. So my having a STEM degree, having a computer science degree, um, it always amazes me when I hear of technology companies starting up and the founder is not a technology person. I'm like, how I'm in you, that boat. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just amazes me. Like, how do you do that? Because to me, when I think about starting up a company, um, I pour my blood, sweat, and tears into it. And so do I. Yeah. Just in different things. There's a lot to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's where that comes in. But yeah, I didn't realize the number to that. That technically means two out of three founders are non-tech founders. That is correct. Um, you know, that... There's, there's, that, that is surprising and, and good for you guys too, because you're jumping into something that is foreign. Yeah. All uh, right. My book, million dollar bedroom. I literally have a section that's like, Hey guys, I don't have, I didn't, I, I'm not a programmer. 
tell people I write checks, not code. Mm -hmm. It's it's an important part of the process too. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But with that, you can learn about anything you want online anymore. We're in this like golden age of information. I mean, I I built a, I'd never built anything out of wood. Mm -hmm. I know this isn't STEM, but I'd never built anything out of wood. I'd built, done some other things, but I'd never done carpentry and I built a really nice deck, two, two tiers, quite a bit on the back of my house and did it all with YouTube videos. Yeah. And, and my point is, is, and, and by the way, I'm not really like Mr. Handyman. So there's a lot of information out there that in that same way, I've learned, I've taught myself how to do a lot of stuff, but I've never tried to be a programmer. People ask me all the time. They really do. They're like, so are you a programmer? And I'm like, no. Like, are you thinking about learning? I'm like, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, I don't have the right personality style for that. So I've had, and, and this subject of empowering others, something I'm much better at now was not good at it before, but at the same time to build software websites or anything like that, I'm completely helpless. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have no, I have no ability to do some of that stuff myself. So I've had to learn a lot about it. Yeah. And, and as a technology guy, I'm, I'm the inverse of that. Right. So a lot of times I, I realize I'm, I'm working with people at my company and I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm explaining to them what we're going to do moving forward. I'm you know, working on the whiteboard, whatever. And I have to keep myself from not just going, oh, guys, let's just end this meeting and I'm just going to go do it. Because and that, that's what you don't want to do. Exactly. Yeah, and Because that starts to pile up. Yeah. That works for a little bit. It does. Get away with that for a little bit. And then if you gain any traction or your team grows or you need to scale, you immediately have a big problem. Yes. You're not, you're not, you're not scalable. You're not transferring your knowledge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whenever you look at a lot of these IT companies, I think it's very smart to have people in, in the open environment, meaning, you know, it's, it's just easy open, to talk, and easy ask, to yeah. talk. You, that's it, what we do in our office at full scale. Yeah. Like we literally like at any given time, there could be a hundred people like, and it's a, I mean, it's huge. It's 10,000 mm-hmm. square feet, but all, but maybe a thousand of it, thousand square feet of it. So 90% of it is open yeah. and, it, and it, and it facilitates open communication. We also put, um, similar, uh, skill positions by each other. Mm-hmm. So like, even if you work for a different company, or a different project or something like that. Like our .NET guys are, we try to keep them somewhat close, but you also need to be around your team. So we put a lot of thought into that positioning as well for mm-hmm. that simple question of asking it. Hey. Yeah. I call it knowledge by osmosis, yeah. right? Yeah. You just, you're, you're around, you're hearing conversations, even, uh, I think it's very important for, for our developers to, to really understand that relationship with clients. And if I'm sitting there talking about a client, talking about, you know, even finances, you know, they need, everyone needs to be aware of it. Whenever you're in a startup, everyone's wearing multiple hats and just having that uh, open environment just helps transfer that knowledge. Um, you know, just as a, as a startup founder, um, you're right in that early on, you can do, you can be very controlling. You can, you can create your application the way you want it and everything. But as soon as you pick up a couple of customers, you better be able to hand that off very quickly because, and, and there's, there's some uh, reasons why that lack of, of being able to empower others exists. And it's, and sometimes it starts with personality stuff. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm, and I know there's a zillion different ways you have the good old class. We're just going to stick with type a or type B because there's a bunch of delineations. Like I actually prefer disc, mm-hmm. which is like DNI or drive and influence and then steadfast and conscientiousness. And that's type A or type B. Well, I'm a high type A. Mm. Um, I'm 
I'm very driven and I work quick. And with that, there's a level of kind of like, I mean, the, the personality styles will say dominance, which just means like you are used to doing it your way. And, you know, like, this is the way we do it. And there's a time for that. And then there's a time that that shouldn't exist. And, but the, the main reason I think that people suck at empowering others is, well, it took me a while to, to figure this out and really accept it. No one cares about your business as much as you do. Your employees won't. They never will. No. But why would they? It's your, it's your thing. It's and your unless, baby. Unless they own part of it with you, which then makes them also your partners mm -hmm. and not necessarily your employees, although there can be a mix of, of both there. No one's going to care about it as much as you do. And I think it took me about five years of owning my own business to really, um, well, I realized that within the five years, but to finally accept it. Mm -hmm. And once I did, I think I leveled up like maturity wise, like as a, my maturation, is that, is that really a word? Yeah. I think it is. Um, sometimes we invent words on, on the <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then I catch myself. I actually said, uh, funnest the other day. I was like, okay, that's not a word. I believe that's the most funnest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I really did go, I, looking back at it, I, well, first off it created, it, it helped me feel a little more sane because mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to accept things for what they are. I can't, you can't change that. You can't make people care. No, it is actually impossible to make people care. And so therefore the first step, I think in creating a healthy empowerment driven organization is if you identify people that do care, that's something you can't teach. No. So those are the people I like to build around. Yeah. And I can, if I, if I genuinely feel like you care and let's define caring, you care about the company, you care about the team that you work with, you care about the clients and you just care about all of it. And sometimes they just care about you. Can't teach it. It's like in sports, they say you can't teach speed. Yeah. And in baseball, you can't teach someone how to have a powerful arm. Mm -hmm. Well, those are the same things in business. So caring goes a long way. It's something to, to, to build around, but it's easy for me now, it's easy to empower someone. And let's define that. Like I give you license to do something, right? I say like, Dale, take ownership of this. I trust you. And I think sometimes the important thing is, you know what? I'm just going to get this out of the way up front. I expect you to make a lot of mistakes. It's not because I don't think you're good at what you do. It's just the way shit goes. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't programming all about making uh, as many, as few mistakes as possible until you don't make the mistake? Yeah, it's time on task. You know, yeah. you, you, you figure out, you know, half my day is, is fixing my own mistakes if I'm developing. That's why I'm not a programmer. <laughs> I, I tell people if I was forced or if I was a programmer, I would have, I would have to have a budget and I, for broken computers. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, and that's the thing is a detail oriented, um, you know, nature is like, where's this missing semicolon on line 5,434 yeah, or something. Absolutely. I don't even know how that stuff works. I just think of it as magic. Yeah. And to that caring that a developer needs to care as well. So do your managers, so do your support people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, with that, that personality style is something to examine when you empower others to do things. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't really necessarily want, it's like a type A person. Um, 
while they're outgoing and might seem like they're okay on the phone, they often lack empathy. Yes. So, but then the type B people who have high levels of empathy aren't really outgoing and not always the best. On the yeah. phone. So you get to kind of <laughs> like try to find, find that, that, uh, th- where that bridges the gap. So, yeah. And, and th- that is especially important in the business that I'm in. Cause I'm, I, a lot of the customers I work with are not for profits, yeah. the most caring people on the planet. And, uh, you're right. You know, I've heard, uh, you and, and Matt Watson talk about, uh, it's really easy to trust your, your gut instinct when, uh, whenever you're hiring people, yeah. people that suck, you're going to know they suck pretty quickly. I, I get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that empathy, like you said, you can't be taught and then uh, you recognize it quickly. My, you, according to my wife, I oftentimes lack empathy. <laughs> Which is why I can probably push those people back out. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, but that, you know, that's, you talk about that gut feeling. There's so many things in life that are yes or no, mm-hmm. black or white, true or false, zeros or ones, win or lose, up or down, right or left. And really in the end, everything does simplify down to that. According to people way smarter than I, we mm-hmm. may all just be made of zeros and ones. Who knows? Yeah. And so with that, there is a simplified solution to everything and you feel good about someone or you don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that many things are subjective. So you do, I I think with empowerment now, sometimes it's very simple and, and, and it also creates a level of efficiency and and productivity uh, that I think matters. I have an empowerment exercise that, uh, that, well, I don't know if, I'm the true inventor of it, but I, I believe I've invented what I call the rule of yes. If you think I'm going to say yes, 90% of the time, just do it and don't ask. I'll deal with the 10% of the time you're wrong. Yeah. I, I heard that on your uh, previous it, podcast. You heard that before? I loved it. I was like, that makes so much sense. Just it, Well, and, and you're empowering people to just make these simple mm-hmm. decisions because, it, and, you know, and by the way, I didn't say 99%, I yeah. said 90%. Because you're they're they're going to swing and miss mm-hmm. sometimes, but you have to give people license to fail, yeah, and 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 not feel and if they don't, because people that care don't want to fail, they don't want to let you down, they don't want to let the team down, they don't want to let the clients down, the customers down. Sometimes they want to ask a little mm-hmm. too much, and they're and they you know, hey, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Like, yes, 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 yes. And now that's okay when there's three of you, mm-hmm. but when there's thirty of you you as a leader or a founder are now going to die a death by a thousand tiny cuts. You become the bottleneck. You become, I the, do. You, you become the, the thing that's preventing your organization from growing and preventing you from getting what you want. Yeah. And causing more stress. <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, start my book balance me. And, and if you guys even ever just want to just read something funny, read the first couple pages of that. Cause it literally say, if you're not willing to admit that you're your own biggest problem, just put the book down. Yeah. Cause you're going to be disappointed and I can't help you. Mm-hmm. But change is difficult. And especially when it involves admitting that we're not doing something well, but that bottleneck. So that empowerment is really important. And I use that example. All right. So at full scale in February on February, well, it wasn't even full scale then. We had, we had seven employees globally and we have 185 today. Wow. And that, that dynamic is so much different because, you know, from seven, it went to 20, went to 30, very quickly went past a hundred. And now the thing, and I had to change the way I was doing things because 
I like to be involved with the people that I am helping lead mm -hmm. and then it becomes impossible. So you can, you know, like I said, the rule of yes is a big thing. And I, and I like to throw some perspective on here. So you might think, oh, me answering so-and-so's questions only takes five minutes. Well, the problem is, is when you have 50 people that now need that five minutes, well, that's a, a pretty big portion of your day. The one so, commodity you cannot make more of is time. I've been trying. <laughs> well, I've you figured trying. out. You let me know. Yeah, uh, there's a list. There's there. quite a few people. I don't think I'll have to work again after I figure that one. Yeah. Out. But and you know that uh, and there's ways to stretch that time and how you do it. But nothing will get more stuff done, especially the little things, than just empowering people to make the simple choices. Absolutely. Um, now that said, the rule of yes can also um, you got to be careful with it. Mm -hmm. On some regards, these are about decisions related to your business. This isn't about, um, well, if I called and said I was going to be late today, you were going to be cool with that. Next thing you know, you have someone that's 74 minutes late every day. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. Um, so you do have to keep a little bit of an eye on it. But overall, that empowerment is, is really important. So what's a situation where you've been involved in the past where that you feel comfortable describing where there was a lack of of empowering others to do things or a need to, you got something topical that you can. Well, um, actually I'd like to focus on a couple of companies that I know here in Kansas city that I know the founder founders are, uh, uh, very controlling. Um, and what, what you can see from those organizations that, that is clear from the outside looking in is that they don't grow. And the reason they don't grow is because, uh, Number one, they're not incentivizing their people correctly. So uh, you'd mentioned earlier, like, the, like there's no vested interest. Exactly. For, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that too. If you're if you're just a cog in the wheel, yep. why, why you know why do you have why do you have uh, a, you won't have a bigger picture of what the organization's yep. trying to do. It, well, and and in that situation, a founder, manager, director, or someone is like, we need to save money. Yeah. Well, if it, it's one thing to save your own money, it's another thing to save mega corpse money or yeah. whatever. And it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be like, eh. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they, you know, uh, people working with you need to know that you care, you know, yeah. and, and just in incentivizing people so that, you know, they get rewarded for, for doing, for doing good. You um, want to know something we used to do at a former company I own. So I knew, I knew people were going to make mistakes and we had, and so that was a given, but we'd actually create a bonus pool mm -hmm. and we'd say, okay, this is a pool of, of money that, um, is a portion of, of, you know, it, it basically said if we hit a certain benchmark, here's the bonuses we're going to earn. But if we make really stupid, avoidable mistakes, like things that are just dumb, like I'm just not paying attention and there went 500 bucks. We took that money out of the pool. Oh, wow. Right. So, yeah. but if we didn't make those mistakes, so that way it actually, and by the way, it took what we normally would have paid in a bonus and we put some money on top mm -hmm. of it. He said, so we've been making these kind of shrink mistakes. I'm clearly going to pay this money out to somewhere. I'd rather keep it amongst yeah. you guys to so do a better job. And then, you know, the thing was, and by the way, when we started doing that, we didn't really make a whole lot of errors. Wow. Cause we had a small company. So, you know, a $500 error is a hundred dollar bill across five people. Yeah. And it starts, you start now, but now you're thinking, you're like, mm -hmm. shit, this is kind of my money too. 
And that had a lot to do with it because, you know, in these particular cases, you know, anything that we had lost was any loss or shrink that we had in that regard was always just not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, it was just clearly not paying attention. It was a, a, a bit, we sold tickets. You can't send the same ticket to two different people. It only works at the gate one time. Yeah. So not only would we, and we, and the places like StubHub or these other businesses, they penalize you really severely because that's clearly a great way to lose a customer, ruin someone's mm -hmm. night and, and spoil your reputation. Yeah. Nothing's worse than trying to take your kid to see Taylor Swift and the gate attendants like, sorry, these tickets are invalid. Wow. So there's a lot, yeah. you know, and then, and then that trickles down to, you got someone very upset calling you. And this didn't happen mm -hmm. a lot, but that was the big thing. Yeah. And that those things would happen because we were being sloppy. Yeah. We weren't paying attention to, to certain things and, and whatever. We didn't make a whole lot of those errors, uh, especially after we instilled that. Yeah. You know, so we look back at certain things. So you, that, you, you talked about bonuses and something that, that I find that's interesting. And I, that's a vested interest. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I have a, I also have a degree in psychology. And whenever you're trying to align incentives for, for individuals, it's, it's just like rewards for a dolphin, right? If you're trying to get a dolphin to jump in the air, uh, if you continue, every time they, they start jumping, you give them a fish, right? And you mm -hmm. continue to give them a fish. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a bigger fish or not, they're going to jump the same height. However, if those rewards are not static, in other words, one time they jump and you don't give them anything, the next time that it jumps... Uh, you give them a fish. They're they're trying to figure out what is it. It's not a constant reward, and that's what bonuses do. Um, if you think about slot machines, that's what a slot machine is. It's randomly giving you a reward. And so with bonuses, what I don't like with company bonuses is when people, uh, you know, it, it's the Christmas vacation. Your uh, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. You're depending on that bonus to come in because that's part of your salary. Yeah. That's not what bonuses should be. Bonuses. Should, bonuses should be random. They should be tied to a given project so that yeah. it doesn't feel like that's my salary because then you're not going to get as much out of that individual. Well, if you don't make it together, if you don't make it there, then the sense of disappointment or yeah. expectation or loss of is, is overwhelming. Absolutely. And that can create negative productivity. And I think you're right as well. Like bonuses shouldn't typically the term bonus means extra. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things too, is so many of these companies, especially startups aren't profitable. Right mm -hmm. away. So like to giving, like it's difficult to potentially give bonuses when there is no quote extra. Yeah. So you got to figure out some ways and sometimes it, it can be just even small wins. Yeah. I, I uh, took my team to, to see Avengers just recently and I could not believe the, the excitement that they yeah. had. It's just it, something it's, small. And you can even do just like little goofy stuff. Like I've worked, you know, we've, we've done a lot of stuff. Um, like you have like a bell or a gong mm -hmm. or something yeah. and just like, you know, and, and I'm kind of known for gold shoes. So we've had gold shoes have been a reward. Okay. Like you want to win them. Yeah. Um, or there is a token of appreciation mm -hmm. that, it, you know, it, you have to, for, for me, you, I will give you a potentially give you a gold pair of shoes if you do something significant with me. And I wear a lot of gold shoes. It's kind of become, come my, my trademark of That's sorts. Cool. It, yeah. In a weird way, actually, it's kind of strange because. I went to an event on Monday and I forgot I had the event that evening and I wasn't wearing gold shoes. And I had like, seriously, like half a dozen people express their disappointment. And I was like, man, I've really painted myself in a corner on this, <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's the little things and, and some of those, those forms of pride. And sometimes it's just a little bit of acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, we did this. We're growing, we're doing well. 
we have a ways to go, but we got to do it. So, you know, so, well, guy with a psychology degree, um, what do you see as some of the, uh, as some of the other roadblocks that people have when it comes to not empowering others? Um, I think it's, it's, uh, an innate, uh, personality. It's almost like a personality disorder in, in that if you're not willing to, to share the reward with others, that typically means you're not a good leader. Um, leaders need to have, uh, to set a precedent, right. Mm -hmm. To go out and, and work hard and, and be able to reward others. I think that work hard thing is a, is a big, is a big thing. Um, nothing is going to make your team not give a shit more than feeling like they're, uh, doing everything and you're putting in that huge nine hour week. Yep. If you go to organizations and companies and then, you know, then the thing is, is, and then that, that leader comes in and says, what the F? we're not making this and we're not doing that. And you're like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> I know. Right? I know a leader that, yeah. that verbatim did Super that. Super common. It's a very common thing. And, and it's, it's a startup. Like how do yeah. you, that is your baby yep. and you're, you're not caring for it. Yeah. I, that just makes no sense to me. So as you know, Matt and I invest in, in other startups and businesses. And, and one of the things that we want that I look for are scars. Mm-hmm. I want to see, do you have scars? Because you have scars. That means you something didn't go well. Yeah. You got back up and fought again. What have you failed at? What have you been down on the mat, got up on the nine count, and then you're either still in the fight or you won? Because that's the thing is this stuff is not easy. No, it's not. I, I hate it when people come up to me and I say things like, man, you're really lucky. I'm like, really? How? <laughs> if you could explain to me how anything I've done is lucky – I'd love to hear it because yeah. I didn't feel lucky last week when I worked 90 hours. Yeah. And that's to, not luck. Yeah. I, I tell people, I'm like, they're like, wait, you've, you've done two startups and actually we've done three startups and they've been successful. Things are going well. Well, man, you, you must be really lucky. And I'm like, no, luck does play a portion of it. I'll give a little bit to luck. It's preparation and opportunity at an intersection, man. That Socrates, I think, said that. Yeah. Like this has not been uncommon knowledge yeah. for, for a long time. And I tell them, okay, you walk in, you make no money for two years. Yeah. You take no salary, blood, Done sweat, tears. Done it. You know, uh, heck, October of last year, I was just sitting at my desk, just staring at the screen going, man, we're just, our sales aren't hitting. We're not man, what am I doing? I've wasted two years of my life. A month later, all of a sudden, now the sales are coming in. Now the hockey stick is forming and, you know, we've doubled revenue just within, you know, less than four months. It's just amazing. But you had to make it through those blood, sweat, and tears and going call, out and I call presenting. those coin toss moments. Yeah. And those are those moments where like legitimately it's, it's reasonable to think like in your own mind, mm-hmm. you say, man, I'm going to flip a coin. So heads, I'll keep doing this beat. I'm going to do something else. And you, you're probably having that at some point. Like that's a very normal mm-hmm. thing. Like, I mean, there's really, really not a lot of businesses that the founders, the owners mm-hmm. or whoever have, aren't having those moments or they haven't already had it. And, and it's oftentimes after that coin toss moment when things start to change. Yeah. And you know what the amazing thing of that particular situation? It was my team that picked me up. Yeah. Well, that's empowering others. And, you know, that's another thing too, when it comes to empowerment of others is like, you know, give, give, give people the license Mm -hmm. 
to give you very candid and honest feedback. Yeah. You know, like saying, Hey, and you know, they, my team's done that with me. You talk about roadblocks and they're not intentional. Like I want to get out of the way. I want to trust me. Cause by the way, by empower. So if you're having trouble empowering others, let me tell you what happens. Once you do your life gets easier, mm-hmm. you have less to do. You have more support. You have a lot more, you have a sense of harmony because no one likes not feeling like they can't do something and they're waiting on you, but you, where are you? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. That's what's happening to me now on so many levels. So, you know, fortunately I've got a, a great supporting cast and I've had to just, I'm constantly dishing things out to others and saying, I need you to take this over. Okay. I don't know how to do it. Google. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. This- figure it out and uh, go, go work on or try to figure it out or take a chance or do something. You're a smart person. You'll probably figure it out. If you don't, let me know. Yep. We'll see what happens. And in our company, we, we talk about learn one, do one, teach one. Meaning, meaning if you're doing an implementation, you know, sit at the elbow of somebody learning how to do that implementation, yeah. then go do one. And then now it's your turn to teach some, someone else within the organization. That's actually what I love about this podcast, Dale, is, is uh, you know, we, we used the term knowledge transfer mm-hmm. um, earlier. And I'm a big believer in knowledge transfer. You know, knowledge isn't something that's meant to be kept. It's supposed, and I actually think it's, it's greedy and toxic mm-hmm. if you're, if you're holding on to it too tight, there's so many people that whether you realize it or not have played a big part in your success mm-hmm. and maybe your lack thereof. So I think that knowledge is, it's a very powerful thing too, especially if, you know, there's, you know, you, you hear all these things to so say, you're only going to be as good as the people you're around. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of truth to that because yeah. they don't have a whole, if, if you're not, if they're not successful people, they might not have a ton of knowledge to transfer to mm-hmm. you. So you have to kind of decide on some levels, you know, what you want to do with that. For me, I've just never been afraid to ask. Yeah. So I look at, at the people that have mentored me, uh, partnered with me, invested or did, done whatever. And a lot of it was just me asking. Mm-hmm. And so that goes the other way too. Sometimes you have to ask for empowerment from others when you're the leader. Yeah. You're asking for an empowerment when you're asking someone to invest. Mm-hmm. You are. It's it's another thing too. I mean, that's that's yeah. real. So uh, it's interesting uh, talking to VCs in, in in my past. One of the key questions that they ask is, uh, "Are you okay with no longer being the leader of this organization?" And that's a great question. And the reason it's a great question is because they are investing in the organization. Certainly, they're investing mm-hmm. in you. But it shows that if if you care enough to to you know to, to let it go, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it shows that you care about that organization. That's a great point. And it's something that I've always said about myself is, you know, if at any given time, I'm not the best person mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I would have, <laughs> I mean, my goal, our goal with full scale is to have thousands of employees worldwide. And you know, well, I, I even, okay, Daryl, Daryl Blackburn, our COO and CFO is way, he's worked with me for 10 years. And with that, he's, I mean, he's a friend, he's a brother, he's been a partner. Mm-hmm. And I, you talk about empowerment. I just realized on two, on two folds. One, he's so much better at me than me at all of the operations and financial things, mm-hmm. like the detailed part of it. Like I, I like what's on the other side of the equal side. Or equal sign and not necessarily all the math that's produced left of it. And 
through empowering him to do so many things, the quality of my life has gone up and our business has grown even faster because it freed me up to do the things I am good at. Um, and, you know, and that's important, but, but, you know, I wasn't the best person to do those jobs and the opportunity cost of me spending additional time doing them was way too expensive as well. Yeah. So, and that's another thing too, is like, I think people, when, especially when it comes to empowerment, you grossly underestimate the value of your own time. Yes. Like what's an hour of your time worth? I'm not asking you to answer that, Dale, but, um, I mean, you can, but I put a really high value mm-hmm. on my, like really high. Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. per hour. And so if you're doing certain things that someone else in your organization can do and you're not paying and you pay them or anyone else or a contractor or an outs or anybody, if that, what you pay them is lower than the value of your own time, mm-hmm. you're just not making a good business decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same thing with programmers. And we tell people this a lot and they say, well, we need people to do this or we do that. And say, well, my local team doesn't want to give up that control. Okay. Well, I, on some level, are you paying people $75 an hour where you could pay someone else 25? Yeah. And you say that to people, and I say that to people a lot, and it's honestly like I showed them fire. Yeah. And they're like, what? And you kind of, I, and I I would feel that some of them might even leave the meeting going, yeah, kind of stupid if I don't make this change. And, and not only that, but a lot of times, as far as the technology people, um, you get to tell them, you know what? You don't have to do this maintenance stuff. We're yeah. going to go do new things. You're yeah. going to, you're going to invent. We're going to, this, we're going to use, you know, our U S location as, as the laboratory. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go invent and, and back on, you know, to talk about empowerment, something that feels so good is when an employer or you know, someone working with you comes in and shows you something that you never said, Hey, could you go do this? Or no yeah. one ever told them. And then all of a sudden they make your company that much better. And it's, it's 100% their ownership, their and, baby. Well, I use Daryl as an example of that. And he's known me long enough because he knows I don't want to hear about the process. I'm like a results guy. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. I'm like, I don't give a shit about how we got yeah. here. Like, where are we at? But and he came in uh, to my office a few weeks ago and he goes, okay, so I just saved us 15 grand a month. And I said, wow, what are we changing? He goes, no, I already changed it. <laughs> and it had been a month and we had saved 15 grand. And I was like, dude, thank yeah. you. Um, and that's what you get when you when you get the right people doing the right things and you give them license to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And and that, and and the funny thing is, is like that. I, I think that was one of the proudest moments because, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years older than he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was the intern for us. If you read Million Dollar Bedroom, he is the intern. Wow. Okay. And now we run, and now he basically runs full scale. That's great. And a, a company with, with international ties, hundreds of employees, and dozens of clients that are operating very successful businesses. So, but yeah, that empowerment, and that's like I said, is is like that's exactly what you mm-hmm. said. It's like someone comes in and whether they show you something they've invented or doing something different or whatever. So, you know, as we close this out, I'm going to go ahead and empower you to come back and join us again and start a puzzle. Well, I would, I would love to come back and uh, thanks for empowering me. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.